Pastor Xavier Reese and the mark of a true Christian, coming up on today's Simple Truths. Now, if you have a conflict with sin, it's because evidence that you're born again. Because natural men and women who are not born again don't have conflict. The conflict will be here as long as I'm in this body. Can you handle that? Sometimes we think, well, somewhere down the line there in the Christian life, down the road, you know, I'll get to a place where, boom, cruise control. No cruise control in Christianity. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God's Word is a light, a lamp, a guide, and an answer book. From government to marriage to finances, it covers all areas of life. Then why are so many believers living a confused life? Well, today, Pastor Xavier talks about what happens when Christians fail to follow the counsel of the life-changing Word of God. Let's listen. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And the message is entitled, The Solution for the Flesh Life. Uh, You may not think that you need this message, but be patient if you think that. If you hang on to anything else apart from grace and faith in Jesus Christ for your justification before God, then you remove yourself from the atoning work of Christ. Whatever you trust apart from Jesus Christ, then you forfeit grace. And in fact, you're saying that you are sufficient to stand before God and to give account for your life apart from the grace of God. And so Paul gives to the Galatians the solution for a flesh-dominated life. And it consists of three parts, and it's found here in verses 16 through 18. Let me read it. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do those things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The solutions to a flesh-dominated life, according to Paul, is based on three things here. First, the counsel to the believer, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. And the word walk means to walk about and order one's behavior and conduct. The focus is on the human responsibility here. Walking speaks of progress. When you walk, you don't just get up and walk around in circles. Walking speaks of having direction and knowing where you are going. The word spirit refers to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The problem that was going on in Galatia is the Galatians were walking in what? In the flesh. Now notice, after the proclamation, you have the promise. If we walk in the Spirit, he says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's the promise. The promise is directly related to the command proclaimed to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If a person does not walk in the Spirit they will fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is basic, fundamental Christian doctrine. Now notice, secondly, he moves on to give the conflict of the believer. Notice the conflict of the believer, verse 17. First, the presence of the two natures. We've implied it, now he directly gives attention to it. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. This, in effect, is the reason for Paul giving the proclamation to walk in the spirit. Because they are one against the other. That's why he says walk in the spirit. The believer has an old nature that is sinful through his or her natural birth. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked above all things. Only God knows it. Paul himself confessed the conflict of the flesh and the spirit to the Romans in chapter 7. That which I don't want to do, I end up doing. That which I end up doing, I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Cries out, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to move life in the spirit. Chapter 8. Now notice, secondly, he focuses on the power struggle. Because that's what it is. And these are contrary to one another. Notice the Galatians' conflict was evidence that they what? They belong to God. If you have conflict in your life, you're born again. Because natural men and women who are not born again don't have conflict. Now, if you have a conflict with sin, it's because evidence that you're born again. We live in tension. The conflict will be here as long as I'm in this body. Can you handle that? It doesn't go away. Sometimes we think, well, somewhere down the line there in the Christian life, down the road, you know, I'll get to a place where, boom, cruise control. No cruise control in Christianity. You've got to keep those throttles forward. Life in the Spirit. Now, notice thoroughly the personal reality. So that you do not do the things that you wish. The believer experience is that he or she cannot do what they wish. This is evidence that we again are not our own. Now there is someone else running my life. 1 Corinthians 6.20, I've been bought with a price. I used to run my life, and so did you. Did what I wanted, say what I wanted, went where I wanted. But not since 1973. This is evidence that I'm no longer on the throne of my life. Jesus is. He calls the shots. It's no longer our standard. It's no longer what we feel we should do, but, but we have to obey the Lord. We do it lovingly, but we do it. The believer experiences that he does not always do the things that he wishes. We have to be real, people. This goes for the things that please God. For the believer fails at times through the weakness of the flesh. It's sin nature, right? I don't always obey God. We all fail. Paul says, how to perform what is good I do not find. It was not within him in his natural man, Romans 7, 18. And that dialogue is a person who's born again, for only a born-again person can have the conflict. A non-believer has no conflict. The believer knows three things about his freedom in Christ. First, that he or she has been made free from sin, chapter 5, verse 1. I have been made free from sin. I know it. Secondly, that he or she has been made free to fight sin. Do you know that? You can fight sin. Thirdly, that he or she can use their liberty as a base of operation for their flesh or sin nature still. Chapter 5, verse 13, Paul says, don't do it. 
we can use our flesh as a base of operation and then say, oh, I just blew it. No, we made preparations. We already talked about that. Those who are so quick to give you a formula for success to never experience a conflict are deceivers. It'll be there. Two Eskimos were in a bar one day. And there they are. They're drinking and they're telling their stories and all their events. And one of them kept telling the other guy how this white dog and black dog of his are always on each other. They're always conflict. They're always fighting. And then finally the other one came back and said, well, wait a minute. Which one wins? Without hesitation, the Eskimo said, the one I feed the most. How true it is of our own lives. The one who will win is the one you feed the most. You feed the old man? Don't be surprised when he takes your head off. You feed the new man? Don't be surprised when you're pleasing to God. It's just that simple, people. Like I said, it's not brain surgery. It's just basic stuff. We are born into warfare, and for that reason, we are given the armor of God so that we can end up standing after the battle, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Put it on. Don't leave home without it. It's his armor. We are not to give the devil a foothold in any area of our life at any time, Ephesians 4, 27. Don't think yourself strong. Don't tempt yourself. Don't get out there thinking that you can do certain things. I know I'm in control. I know how far to go. Yeah. Okay. All he needs is a little foothold. He gets a foot in the door, and then it's an arm, then it's a torso, then he's in. And you're done. We must understand that the conflict is of the two natures, but the battle takes place and it's lost or won, here it is, in the mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says that we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You and I are fallen people. We have a divine nature. We've talked about that. But I still get dirty thoughts. I still get evil thoughts. I still get anger. I still get resentment. I still all that. So I've got to bring those thoughts into captivity. I've told you often that you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, right? But if they start building a nest, you certainly can shoo them off, right? The same thing with your thoughts. Somebody may do something, you go, Lord, just help me, Lord. Give me the love, give me the wisdom, let me rest in you. Let me think on those things that are good, lovely. You ever talk to them like that? Now, people may think you're crazy, but it's okay. I have to bring those thoughts into captivity. You know why? Because I'm evil. I have to captivate them. The battle is won or lost in my mind. The battle's for the mind. And if you don't conquer it, the heart has plenty of resources for evil conduct. The problem does not lie with the intellect. It lies with the will. Are you willing to do the will of God? We have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness through God's promises and a divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 says, All means all things that will ever come across into my life. All disappointments, all tragedies, all things. He knows what's going to happen. And then godliness means how I'm to respond to them. So I have no excuse, right? If I walk in the Spirit, I can do it. Will it be difficult? Absolutely. Will it be crushing? Probably. 
Will I be able to? Absolutely. If I walk in the Spirit. We should never interpret the jealousy of God for us as selfishness on his part, but selflessness. For he knows that he's the best thing for us. Everything else will take us away from him. Absolutely. That's why James 4, 5 says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns to jealousy? Your jealousy and mine is selfish. <laughs> His is selfless. He knows he's the best thing for us. Absolutely. And so the conflict of the believer is the lust of the flesh against the Spirit. Now, he doesn't stop there. He gives us the conquest of the believer in verse 18. The conquest of the believer begins with the proper choice. We've implied it, now he nails it. But if you are led by the Spirit, the conquest is declared to be in contrast to the defeat of the flesh of the previous verse. The word but points to a sharp contrast. There are many of these statements in Scripture. We were dead in trespasses and sins and we were separated from God, but God in His mercy what a difference. Contrast. The word also contrasts the Galatians' freedom by the Spirit to the prior bondage. Now they're able to respond to this. Prior to the being born again, they couldn't. And then the word led means to bring or to drive. Literally, when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil, it says, and he was driven. This is the word. Now, this does not mean that the Holy Spirit, again, takes over without our knowing it. A lot of people blame the Holy Spirit for a lot of things that the Holy Spirit doesn't do. They say, well, you know, I couldn't help it. I was just, you know, started speaking in tongues, and I couldn't stop. Or I just started rolling on the floor. God's not the author of confusion. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. The Holy Spirit has never forced me to do anything, say anything. I have never been out of control at any time in the spirit. I've been out of control in the flesh. People say, well, you know, I'm just this Latin temper. No, it's flesh. It just happens to be Latin flesh. <laughs> it's a big cop-out, man. Well, you know, we're Italians. We're just hot temper. No, 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 you're just flesh. That's all. That's what it is. And we buy all these stupid little expressions and justifications it's flesh. In the flesh, I'm always out of control. In the spirit, I'm always in control. Nor does it mean that he forces me to do anything against my will. You all have heard testimonies like that. I couldn't help myself. Well, yeah, you can. Notice, secondly, the powerful freedom that's stated. You are not under the law. Whoa. You are not under the law. Why? Because they are led by the Spirit. The reason being that they have been born again in Christ and set free from sin and death. The other reason was that the law was temporary. Remember he told us that in chapter 4, verse 2 and 4? The law cannot empower us to do. It only points to our guilt. Romans 3, 19. You're driving down the freeway, I've told you many times, and all of a sudden you're driving down, the speed limit says 65. And you look down, you're going 70. That sign just says you're guilty. 
You're driving down the freeway 65, and you know those overhead things they have, you know, boards, they light up with lights and everything. It doesn't say, oh, well done, good driver. No, they don't say that. But every time you look up and you look at 65, you're going 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, it says you're guilty. The law also provokes us to sin, Romans 7, 7 and 8 says, right? It says, wet paint, don't touch. You tell your little kid, now that's hot, don't touch it. Huh? There's something in us when somebody says, don't do that. I say, do what? You know, like a kid, the mom's going on. Now, don't, don't, don't push uh, jelly beans up your nose or something. Well, the kid would have never thought about it, and here you suggest it. Well, what do you think he's going to do? <laughs> My son, Xavier, when he was little, his cousins, he had the hardest time breathing for two days. Judy blows his nose, and he blows out this little plastic bean. His cousins had talked him into pushing this thing up there. <laughs> he was little. It provokes us. We do it as we grow up. We tell me, ah, oh, I dare you. Ah, you can't do it. I can't. No, you can't. Ah, oh, no, I double dog dare you. <laughs> I did it. That's our sin nature. It's our pride. That's the heart of sin nature, pride. The law causes us to trust in our flesh for righteousness. Philippians 3, 8 through 11. Paul says, hey, I want to be found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. All that I have, all that I am, it's a big pile of manure. That's what he says, literally in the Greek. And let me tell you, Paul was more qualified for righteousness than any of us in this room. The believer is not under the law nor able to have conquest by the law. How many times have you said to God, I will never do that again, Lord? Oh, don't say that. Say, Lord, forgive me, and Lord, by your grace, empower me. I don't want to fall into this again. Now, now there's hope. But, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm never going to, Lord, I promise you, and I'm, okay. Trusting in your flesh. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, literally impotent to do the things of the spirit. The flesh can do nothing. Matthew 26, 41. How can I be led by the Holy Spirit? Let me give you some things. First, by denying yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus, Matthew 16, 24. The first thing is to deny yourself. You know what that means? That means lose sight of yourself. You know what our main problem is? We love ourselves. Don't fall prey to the philosophy that we have low self-esteem, that we don't love ourselves. The Bible says no man ever yet hated his own body. The problem is we love ourselves. If you truly hated yourself, and I ask you, why do you hate yourself? You say, I'm ugly. If you really hated yourself, you would be glad you're ugly. You remember growing up? You see somebody you didn't like, and, and, and they have a big nose or something, and you, you bag on them, right? Well, if I hated myself, I'd be bagging on me. But the reason I feel bad is because I love myself. Don't fall prey to the humanistic philosophy. It's a lie. We love ourselves. So we ought to lose sight of ourselves. See, the problem is I. That's the middle letter of the word sin. That's the problem. Secondly, by resisting the devil and drawing close to God, James 4, 6 through 8. There's the key. You've got to do both of them. 
Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But thirdly, by yielding to the exceeding enabling of the Holy Spirit and being filled continuously, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 and 5, 18. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, and the power that works in us, to him be glory and power and dominion, so ever and ever. Continue to continue to be filled, ongoing. I have to depend on the Lord every day, every second, every hour in the Spirit. Let me give you what some of the things that we can do to nurture the life to be led in the Spirit. First, to feed the new man and to starve the old man. We mentioned it, now we'll just nail it. Let me give you some scriptures to back that up. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. Colossians 3, 10 and 16. Secondly, to recognize that the word, prayer, and the Holy Spirit are our spiritual weapons along with the armor in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. The word, prayer, and the Holy Spirit in the armor. Thirdly, to serve one another in love and to stir up one another to love and good works. He tells us that in Galatians 5.13 and Hebrews 10.24. Love is a theme here in chapter 5, and you'll see it follow into chapter 6. Too many forsake the gathering of the saints. You don't come to church, or you come just once a week. What would happen if you ate once a week? You'd never be working for long. Your spiritual nutrition is much more important than anything else you're doing. Now find out where God wants you to go, and once he tells you where to go, you go there. And you get involved, and you'll be faithful, you'll be consistent, and you jump in the trenches. Get in ministry. You know why? Because you're, if you're in the trenches, you won't be a professional criticizer, and you won't be a murmur. Because you know what ministry is about, and the life and the spirit's about. But if you're on the fringes, You'll have the answers for everybody. And you'll be the first one to criticize and talk about murmuring and complaining. Remember that murmuring is a heart condition. That's exactly what it is. Also to reckon the old man dead daily, Romans 6, 11, every day. Then to value the fellowship available to us daily and weekly basis. And the church that so graciously has given to you, wherever that may be, as I said. Do you consider it a privilege or do you take it for granted? Daily blessings. Lastly, to attest to the conquest without denying the conflict or failure at times. I am not perfect. Romans 7 through 8 tells us that. Let's be real Christians. Let's strive against sin. Let's be led of the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. But let's not deny that we still miss the mark so we can give the world a picture of a real Christian and a true gospel. The conquest of the believer is by being led by the Spirit. And so here you have it. Paul gave the Galatians a solution to a flesh-dominated life. And now I've given it to you. The counsel to the believer is to walk in the Spirit and he will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The conflict of the believer is the lust of the flesh, lust against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, which is the evidence that we're born again. And then thirdly, the conquest of the believer is by being led by the spirit and not 
by law, only by the Spirit. And so, may we make the right choice and be obeyed the Lord and walk in the Spirit. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of walking in the truth of the Word. And you can pick up a copy of today's message, The Solution for the Flesh, for only $4. We have them available on CD, and we'll be including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Solution for the Flesh, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and mention the call letters of this station in your correspondence. This helps us track the impact of this outreach in your area. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more simple truths in action from the book of Galatians. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 